0: on to my mommy's podcast.
1: This podcast is sponsored by Olipop, delicious soda that's actually good for you. Did you know that most Americans consume more than the recommended daily intake of sugar by a lot? And sweetened drinks like soda are the leading source of extra sugar. Most of us also don't get enough fiber. And I have found a delicious answer to both of these problems. It's called Olipop. And I was so excited to find this truly healthy soda alternative. Olipop uses functional ingredients that combine the benefits of prebiotics, plant fiber, and botanicals to support your microbiome and benefit digestive health, and it tastes just like soda without the junk. Olipop is much, much lower in sugar than conventional sodas. Their vintage cola, for instance, has just 2 grams of sugar compared to a regular cola that has 39. We've worked out an exclusive deal just for Wellness Mama podcast listeners. You can receive 20% off plus free shipping on their best-selling variety pack. This is a great way to try all of their flavors and find your favorite. Go to drinkolipop.com forward slash wellnessmama and use the code wellnessmama, all caps, at checkout to claim the deal. That's drinkolipop, D-R-I-N-K-O-L-I-P-O-P.com slash wellnessmama. The discount is only valid on their variety pack and you can find Olipop in over 3,000 stores nationwide, including Whole Foods, Sprouts, Kroger, and Erewhon. This podcast is sponsored by Wellness. That's wellness with an E on the end. It's the personal care company that I founded to take on some of the worst offenders in the personal care world. Did you know, for instance, that many hair care products contain harsh detergents? But your hair isn't dirty laundry and it doesn't need to be treated like it is instead we created a nourishing and natural hair food product that supports hair's natural balance and strength over time to leave it stronger and healthier and still just as shiny and clean as any other shampoo to help you see and feel the difference we're hosting a hair detox challenge try it for 30 days and show us the difference in your hair just snap a before and after picture and tag us on any social media and to make it easier for you to jump in, you can save 15% on all of our hair care products this month with the code HAIRDETOX15 at wellness.com. Again, that's wellness, wellness com, and save 15% on all hair care products right now with the code HAIRDETOX15. Hello, and welcome to the Wellness Mama podcast. I'm Katie from wellnessmama.com and wellness.com. That's my new line of personal care products, including our hair food, hair care that nourishes your body from the outside in. You can check it all out at wellness.com. I'm here today with Joe DeSanto, and we're talking about an often not enough talked about aspect of health, which is financial health. And the reason I think that they're related is that we know statistically um, many of us Uh, have stress that stems from financial worries. And this stress can be a big cause of stress in other areas of life and of not getting enough sleep and across the board. And so I'm here with someone who I have found recently and I'm really enjoying his work. Um, Joe DeSanto has a blog called Play Louder, where he talks about the idea of not just creating, working toward retirement, but working toward financial independence and, and time freedom. And we go into today what that looks like and how we can all run our own individual financial lives like a business in ways that are tax efficient, that help us work towards this financial freedom earlier, and some strategies for what that really looks like. It's encouraging because I think it's often a lot easier than we expect. And maybe this number that we're working toward for financial freedom is often lower than we think it might be. So. We really go into that today. We talk about things like real estate, about side hustles, about budgeting and about investing and how to make all of those pieces work together for you. So a very practical episode, a little bit of a deviation from the normal, just physical aspects of health or the mental and emotional that I've been talking about more recently. I think this one also comes into play as financial woes are one of the top five stressors for many Americans. And I think you'll get a lot out of this one. So let's jump in. Joe, welcome. Thanks for being here.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Katie. It's very nice to be here.
1: I'm excited for this chat because it's a little bit of a deviation from our normal talk of just the physical aspects of health and wellness. But I think one that's equally important, which is the idea of finances and especially how those tie in to mental health. And I know that financial, uh, all kinds of financial different considerations are sources of stress for a lot of people. So I'm really grateful to get to jump into this with you today and, and really talk about some of the practical. Things that people can do. To start off, though, Absolutely. give us a little bit of your background and how you got into this world to begin with.
0: Sure. Well, let's see. I was born in 1975. Now, um, I. Uh, I'm going to cut to, I guess, kind of post college. I actually kind of. Uh, I'm a little bit of like an art and a math brain, and um, so I was actually an art major in college, believe it or not. And but I also was always interested in finance and business and. I kind of, I just always wanted to, a couple things I wanted to do after getting out of college for for whatever reasons, I wanted to own a house and I wanted to start a business. Those were just like on my agenda, my agenda items. And um, being I was into art, you know, I was also pursuing that. I was a photography major and I kind of was going to be pursuing photography. And I ended up getting into post-production and post-production turned out to just be like the perfect creative business uh, for me. It's something I really loved doing. I loved doing the work. It was a really fun industry. And it was a great kind of bit in my mind. It was like a great business that I could potentially own someday. So the, the stars aligned for me in that sense, I kind of found like a, a really great way to like commercially and practically apply art, you know, as a career and uh, it lined up with being a good business opportunity, I thought. So uh, eventually, I'm from Rhode Island, went to school in Massachusetts. I moved to New York right after school to kind of start my career there. And then a couple years into that, decided New York was a little, little too tight for me. <laughs> I'm sort of like, you know, I'm a little OCD. I like, you know, I like things kind of tidy. And uh, and it was like, it was a little claustrophobic. So we, I decided to go on this road trip uh, with my uh, my girlfriend at the time. And the road trip just like never ended, I guess you could say we we drove through Los Angeles and were there for like a week I, and I, it was it was the, pretty much the other place I could do my work and we decided just to stay. We decided not to go back to new york and and that was uh just probably about twenty one years ago i 've been in, I live in Florida now for the last couple of years, but I was in l a for just about twenty years, and that 's where I met my wife, and we actually worked together but So my career just kind of like continued on there and it grew. And then eventually I uh, started a business and along the way, you know, the the other kind of background about me is like, I've always been into finance and, and kind of like money, I guess. I mean, both for just, it's kind of like my brain, but also in my younger years, you know, my, in my family life, we kind of had a lot of struggles with money. So I started working early and, and just kind of had to start thinking about money early, and um, money was just something that I really like wanted to have control over, I guess in my life, so I just adopted these really good like kind of personal finance habits uh, just you know outside of my work and then, as I got into like running businesses but both prior to starting my own like where I was working and then eventually starting my own, I was able to apply all these like really you know, kind of good fastidious personal finance attributes to the businesses. And I, and I very quickly realized that, you know, running your, your life, your, the finances of your life is very much like running the finances of, of, of a business. I mean, it's kind of the same thing. You're, you're just kind of running the business of you. So I kind of taught myself, you know, accounting and bookkeeping and things like that. And uh, just for my own personal you know, uh, life. And then I just started applying those to my business. And those those tactics and strategies are very effective in business. And and for whatever reason, it's funny, like in business, uh, doing your finances and staying on top of your books and understanding where, where and how you make money and knowing how much money you spend and making sure that you have a profitable business, quote unquote. That's pretty standard up, you know, in, in the world of business and for obvious reasons. It's like no one wants to, you know, be in a business that's losing money. And actually, you can't be in a business that's losing money for too long. But for some reason, when it comes to our personal lives, like people don't really like think that that's necessarily something that you need to do, like, you know, kind of track your income and expenses and make sure that you're always making more than you're spending and, you know, kind of have a business plan for your life. And, uh, I don't know why for me, I always made that correlation. You know, I could, I could see that they were kind of the same thing. And I, and I always thought about my life as like running the business of me. And it's not even just in the sense of money, um, you know, money in, money out and, and like the bookkeeping aspect, but it's also like kind of a mentality, um, the mentality of like, you know, being entrepreneurial in your life and, um, being business minded, you know and even if you don't own a business like prior to owning a business i i was business minded in my work like i thought about myself you know as you know i was the product and my employer was the one (laughs) my one client and like i really wanted to do a good job and have them want to give me more work and more responsibility and pay me more and and actually keep hiring me year after year um so i kind of always just applied these like you know entrepreneurial like business mentalities to, to my life. And cut to now, my wife and I, uh, along with our partners and friends, started the business. It was uh, successful in Los Angeles. It's still going, actually. My partners graciously cashed me out because my wife and I decided, I don't know, we were in our 40s. We had a, We had our child. I was 40. She was 36. And we used to work a lot, like, you know, our business in in Los Angeles was pretty much advertising and entertainment. And uh, like many industries, it's a long hours business, you really have to, you really have to live it. And that was great. We totally enjoyed it and loved it. But once we had a kid, all of a sudden, we we're like, we didn't have the time anymore. We we're like, wow, this is really hard. It's really hard to balance having a kid and also do our career the way that we had been doing it. And, you know, most everyone in demanding jobs solves that problem by hiring a nanny and and doing whatever they have to do. And we were doing that. And I don't know, some, somewhere in there, we started to think that, hey, you know, maybe maybe we should, like, rethink our whole life. Like, maybe maybe if we, like, you know, if we can do it, if we can revise our whole lifestyle, could we move and, like, maybe work less and spend more time with our son and, you know work part time or my wife currently isn't uh she's just full-time momming now and kind of devoting herself to to my son while he's young you know in these young years and um that seed got planted somewhere along the line and it grew and you know t- just over 2 years ago we packed up the whole operation and uh, moved to a less expensive place to live and now we live in the, the Tampa Florida area and we really like it and you know, along the way in, in owning the businesses, you know, we've hired, we had, you know, many employees like, you know, on average about 30 to 40, but as many as 60 in some cases when we were in doing productions. And so I've hired a lot of young people and kind of mentored a lot of young people. And through these years, I was working on, you know, just being a planner, planning for my quote-unquote retirement someday, uh, investing, kind of keeping track of my own personal finances, keeping track of the finances for the business, and we we worked in like you know I never had my own office. We just had like an open workspace, and um, some of the young kids or and even you know people in their thirties they they'd hear me talking about real estate on the phone or doing this or that and. And they'd start to inquire, like, what, so what do you do? Like, how do you, how do you prepare, how do you prepare for retirement? Like, should I be buying real estate? Um, What should I be investing in? And I started to be, started to become this mentor in this personal finance realm to, to folks that, you know, I was working with, you know, some of my younger employees. And they would always say like, hey, you know, you should, you should like teach a class or something, you know, <laughs> like, it's like, like kind of back then it was like, you should go to the community college and teach a class at night or something. And uh, I was always thought that would be like, a, that would be fun, but uh, I just never had the time. And so as we transitioned, luckily all the planning worked out and we kind of amassed enough money to be able to make it this big transition and work less. I really decided to pursue being more of an, like an educator in the personal finance space, and really like try to help people understand why it's so important and, and why they should be doing it, and what the benefit benefits of it are. But also, um, I've also since, you know, been contacted by other friends who own companies and stuff like that. um, And they're like, hey, will will you help us with our finances, you know, because they know me from my business and it was successful. And so now I am basically being a business manager for small businesses and uh, sort of higher income individuals and then also coaching regular individuals, I guess you'd say you know, on how to get their financial house in order and uh, prepare for what now I think, you know, the modern term for retirement, it used to just be called retirement. You know, back in the day, you could just, it was just good old fashioned retirement. Now the, the young kids call it financial independence. And it's actually become sort of this movement. There's a whole movement around financial independence called the FIRE movement, which stands for financial independence, retire early. And it's a whole group of people that are that kind of, you know, are interpersonal financing and are really focusing on saving more, investing better, building up their net worth sooner and achieving what they call financial independence sooner in their life, as opposed to the kind of old fashioned, you know, you work 40, you know, 45, 50 years, and then you quote unquote retire when you're you know, in your late 60s or 70s, and and hopefully, you know, you have like the mobility and the finances to actually go do some fun stuff. People are saying, "Hey, what if we like really supercharge our savings and our in our focus on um, achieving a financial independence sooner in life?" And when I kind of started my personal financial, you know, journey way back right after college, like there was no people talking about that and you were just kind of saving for quote unquote retirement. Well, you know, my planning kind of essentially allowed us to get to, you know, a a time of financial independence much sooner, you know, than we had hoped. So we're very happy about that. But now I'm trying to help other people, you know, get their mind on that uh, and make progress towards that themselves.
1: I love that. And so much of what you just said really resonates with me because I had a similar realization in my life, Um, not so much with the financial side, but at one point years ago, I was incredibly stressed trying to manage a couple of businesses. And at the time was, uh, I think I had five kids, maybe four at that point, but now six kids. And I just, I was so stressed. I was probably on the verge of a nervous breakdown. And in this moment of clarity, I thought about actually deleting Wellness Mama because I knew I couldn't keep all the plates in the air the same way.
0: Oh my God. I can imagine. Oh, wow. What a a moment that must have
1: been. (laughs) Exactly. You have your hand
0: on the delete key and you're like, should
1: I do this? Yeah. And I had this like lightning bolt moment of clarity and realized my stress wasn't coming from the business side. My stress was coming from the home side. So I started working backwards going, why am I not stressed in business and why am I stressed at home? And I realized In business, I knew what the goals were. I knew how we were gonna get there. I had specific strategies, plans, KPIs, SOPs. I had it all dialed in. So there was no source of stress because there were no open loops and I was running my Mm -hmm. business like a business as I should have been. And at home, I was trying to manage even more variables all in my head, keep everybody's physical, emotional, like all their needs, food, everything met, all by myself in my head. And so that was a lightning bolt day for me and I started running my home strategy wise, like I would run a business and putting systems in place. So I love that you brought up that analogy. And I also love that you went into the idea of financial independence because you're right. I think this is a shift our generation is making. Gone is the time where you can, in most cases, work for the same company your whole life and then retire at 65 and it all just works out. There's just, it's too rapidly changing. So
0: yeah,
1: On the one hand, as parents, that's something we don't know know to prepare our kids for because certainly their future might even be more rapidly changing. But for us, it's it's actually, there's a beautiful silver lining of that to your point, which is we don't have to wait till we're 65 to start living. We can work towards that time freedom now. And I love that there's this awareness of the real beauty of retirement is just getting to do what you want to do when you want to do it. And conversely, not have to do things you don't want to do when you don't want to do it. And when you think of it that way, it's easier to start building toward that younger. And mm-hmm. even if it's part-time, be building in ways that you can have more of that time freedom and have these experiences and, um, and still build your finances and work toward this as a long-term goal as well. So let's get like more specific, kind of walk us through how you work with someone on creating a plan for this, creating a budget for this, because from my research and what I've worked on with my own family, it, it seems like this actually is a lot more doable than most people realize.
0: Yeah, that's you know that's the funny thing about it. It's it's really not that hard uh, to to have a plan, and it and it doesn't take that much time to put a quote unquote plan together. I would say probably what takes a little bit more time is is kind of you know the tracking of your you know income and expenses over time, and I'll and I'll get to that. But to get into kind of planning for you know, I guess one thing I kind of wanted to say in in about the retirement, it's like it's funny people people don't seem to want to plan for this and. And I wonder why or try to figure out why. And and I do think of it uh, a little bit like in a few ways, you know, it's like, so like for me, I I enjoy personal finance. It's kind of like a hobby, you know, I I don't mind doing it. And and I think we're kind of similar in listening to your show and you talk about your kind of a personality. I I think we're kind of similar in many ways. And uh, like, I find it relaxing because, you know finance and math, they kind of have concrete answers. There's not, a, you know, it's not very nebulous. So, <laughs> so I find it soothing, but um, not everybody's into that. You know, it's like everybody's got their hobbies. So some people are into fitness and that's a really great hobby to have because it has a lot of great benefits for your life. Uh, other people, you know, whatever they're into flying kites, who knows? Uh, so some hobbies do benefit your life, uh, you know, in these practical ways more so than others. Uh, obviously all hobbies are good. Uh, but, you know, that's something to sort of, I, I think about like that, maybe that's a reason why people don't do it. Um, if it's not, if they're just not their hobby, hobby, it's hard for get for them to get behind it. But making the relation to fitness, um, money is really important and money will affect every aspect of your life, whether you consider, you know, it a fun hobby or not, and much like your health. So... You know, just like your health, if it's not your hobby, you still need to do it and you got to figure out a way to like mentally get over it or you seek out some help, like a personal trainer or something like that to give you some accountability and give you guidance and structure and and hopefully get you to like a consistent, you know, type of health. But the other reason I think people kind of don't think about retirement is because, I don't know, it just does seem like this far off, you know, neverland and you, you kind of hear about it, but you, it's something you think of doing when you're old. Um, maybe, maybe that doesn't excite people. They think it sounds sleepy. I don't know. But when you start to think about it as this financial independence, as you're saying, and you, you start to think, Hey, well, you know, maybe, maybe I could get to this earlier. Then you start to start to think, you think about it more in a more exciting way. You're like, wow, if I could have like freedom and I didn't have to go to this same job for like the next 40 years, I might only have to do it for 10 years or, and you start to get like one excited. And I think, it, it helps you to get into this a little bit more like, you know, entrepreneurial and sort of business minded thing. Like what can I do to like advance this? You know, you start to think more strategically about the business of you and your life and, and your goal ultimately is to, you know, get to this financial freedom. But the way you, you really practically get to it is I, I, I do it in reverse. I call it reverse engineering your retirement. and, and, you look at where you want to go first or think about where you want to go. And it's a pretty simple exercise. It's just like, what would I want to be doing with my time? If if I could totally choose what I wanted to do and and that might include working. Like I really like working. So, you know, I I can see myself doing some sort of part-time work or consulting work, whatever, you know, indefinitely if I wanted, but if I didn't want to, I didn't, I, I, you know, I don't have to is the hope. But you kind of look at that and then you have to decide how much is that going to cost me, right? Um, like every month. And you do a little bit of a budget. And, you know, I have some tools and stuff on my website about this. And you kind of figure, okay, it's going to cost me, you know, to live kind of a free life, you know, of limit expense. Maybe it's going to cost me, I don't know, five or $6,000 a month or $60,000 a year, for example. And then, you know, there's there's a bunch of kind of common you know normally accepted kind of approaches to thinking about this and and I can you know I have a lot of explanation of this on my site and even a course about doing this, but basically, you take your projected annual in you know expense for your retirement, you times it by twenty five and uh, that 's essentially like a good target of savings. That if you have this target of savings, you you probably could you know practically be achieving some sort of financial independence. So it's so it's actually pretty easy to get to like a, a financial number or a goal to you know to work towards, and then once you do that, you know you uh, you can use lots of simple tools online. But I, but I have a few, and I'll explain why I like mine to kind of figure out. Okay, well if that's my goal, uh, like how much do I need to save, you know, in an ongoing basis? uh, If I factor in a certain amount of investment return to achieve my goal over a certain period of time. And like, again, you can go online, there's tons of calculators where you can put in a few numbers and get a number out. But what I like to do personally, is I like to kind of make my own little spreadsheets, simple calculators, but I like to just visually see, you know, if I'm starting today and and my goal is this particular number, and I factor in like, you know, I'm going to make a certain amount of return on the money that I save and invest, how many years uh, is that going to take to reach my goal? And I like to kind of visually see it play out like on a piece of paper over time. And the reason I like to do that is because, you know, you can go use a calculator, plug in a couple numbers and get a result, but not really understand like, where the result is coming from and, and how it's calculating and why it's happening. Um, so if you use kind of a, a spreadsheet where you can kind of visually see it, it, it really kind of clues you in of to like how this is going to materialize and just I think puts you in the right perspective of, of how you can achieve it. And I have, a, you know, again, I have some tools and stuff that I've created that people can use to to actually see this without having to do all the work. But it, but it really doesn't take that much time to, to, to calculate this number and sort of see how it plays out over time and sort of play with it. I Honestly, you could you could come up with a plan in a few hours, you know. And then I say, like, you kind of do it, you look at it, like, once a year, see how you're doing, check in with it. And it's like you plant that seed in your head of, like, okay, so if I save this, and I, and I do this process for the next 20 years, I'll reach this. But if I increase my savings a little bit, maybe I'll take five years off of that. You know what I mean? If I buy this less expensive car and, you know, instead of spending $600 a month on a car payment, only being three, like how quickly will that advance me to this financial independent state? And if you, if you plant these little seeds in your head I think what happens is you you start to get a little bit excited about it and you see like, huh, I can make small changes in my life right now uh, and save a little bit, and that will go a long way over the next like 20 years. And if I make you know some bigger changes, I might take five, you know, or 10 years off of my work life and get to this time of financial independence a little bit sooner. But only I think if you actually kind of take a few hours again map it out a little bit and look at it and like visually see, you know, how you can achieve it and how you can advance it. If you don't do that, you don't plant those seeds. And if you don't plant those seeds, you just sort of, you're just like leaving it up to chance. And for whatever reasons, you know, maybe the ones I mentioned earlier, because it's not a person's hobby or whatever, they don't like finance. What they do is they kind of say to themselves, "Well, geez, I know I need to, I know I need to save and invest. I keep hearing that. I've been hearing that. I'm trying. So I'm just, you know, I'm picking an arbitrary number that I think I can like put to this whole savings and investing thing, but they, but they don't really like know why they're doing it or where they're going with that. And I, and I really make the the analogy that it's like. Financial independence or retirement, whatever you want to call it, it's it's a destination, you know, and we're all on this, we're all on a road to this destination, whether you think about it or not. Like, you might not be thinking about it because you're young and, you, you know, maybe you're 20s or 30s and you're like, ah, I'm just going to work forever or I don't care. Eventually, you will get to a place in your life where you're like, wow. I actually am advancing towards a, 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 some version of retirement and you know, whether I was thinking about it or not, but if you don't have a plan, it's like going on a road trip without a map, you know, and not exactly knowing where you're going. You know, if you go on a, if you go on a road trip, you don't have a destination and you've never opened a map, you're just meandering your way across the country with the hope that you'll eventually end up where you're going and the odds of that are very slim, you'll probably end up in a place that is not what you had in your head (laughs) and it will probably take you a lot longer to get there. So I really am trying to just work with people and, and show them that one, it's not hard to do a simple plan and two, understanding the value of planting these seeds and letting them grow and, you know, tending to this garden along the way and you will actually end up with a, with a result you're happy with as opposed to whatever whatever happens. Did that make any sense? <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Yeah, no, I love how detailed we're getting in this. And, and I think thinking of it that way, it takes away, it actually makes it so much more tangible and less daunting than this idea of like just a retirement plan that's going to kick in. You're older, and and you've touched on it already in, in passing, but I'd also love to talk about this from the perspective of like the parent side because obviously, this is something we should be doing for ourselves so we can have that financial freedom as soon as possible. But I also always think forward toward my kids as well. And I've talked before on this podcast about our kind of alternative way of raising them and how we built a curriculum from the ground up that's based in entrepreneurship and geared towards them having this financial independence. Um, But what are some strategies parents can use from a very young age to help their, their kids have this same advantage? Because I know a lot of us have probably seen those spreadsheets where when you start these investments and savings and different things for your kids when they're young, even just a small monthly amount, the numbers get really exponential by the time they're older. And there's yeah. some creative ways that they can then use that. Like with our kids, for instance, one strategy we did is we can't set up Roth IRAs as the parents, we can't, but our kids could, and we, they work with us in the business and we pay them and then that earned income goes into a Roth IRA and we use that for some of their investments. And it's a kind of a vehicle where they're actually getting the self-direct now and learn some of those investments.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: even though technically you can't take money out of that until you're retired, there's a 10% penalty, which is less than capital gains or regular tax brackets. So we're using that as kind of a learning investment vehicle for them. But walk us through some of those strategies, because it seems like across the board, the earlier we start on any of these things, whether the earlier as adults or the earlier with our kids, the more chance we have to really like get that ball rolling.
0: Yes, yes. Um, and by the way, to your point about um, the the health benefits and the family benefits, it's, I, I also feel like when you, when you kind of take on this challenge a little bit and you get yourself kind of organized and you get your, your family kind of in tune with it. I really think it's great for like your mental health and the health of your relationship and your family. Like chaos isn't good. I, I make a a lot of analogies with money and I do a lot of analogies to finance, to organization, to, to maps, but, um, i'm like an organized person and it's like you know there's all these shows about people who you know uh i forget the name of that show but it's it's a woman who goes to people's houses and organize their houses and it's like you know this kind of you know big weight off their shoulders and it's actually can be kind of emotional well getting your financial house organized i think has the same benefits of taking this big weight off your shoulders and sort of like this you know This thing, you know, that's been hanging around that, you know, you have to deal with and you keep putting it off and and it can create both stress, you know, individually for people and in your families. But getting to what you're talking about with kids, like when you start to to tackle this as a family, naturally, um, you want to involve your kids and you start to think, well, yeah, you know, it's like, probably a lot of people think, ah, geez, I, I when they start doing it, I probably should have started doing this sooner. <laughs> uh and it's obviously it's always it's always good the sooner the better. But once you get your head into it, then you look at your kids and you're like, wow, like I I really should be saving for my kids, obviously, but then trying to educate them and and give them some of this financial education. And and that is a problem like in the world, you know, at least in America, it's like we don't give kids enough financial education, personal finance education. It's not that complicated, but for some reason uh, it doesn't happen. And also for some reason, I don't know, there's like a lot of uncomfortableness about talking about money. I don't know why it seems like, but to answer your question, you know, it's like my son's five. So we're, it's kind of, we're not quite there yet, but, at least for his age, what we talk about with him a lot is when we buy things uh, or he wants things, for example, we make the relation that whatever we spend your money, our money on, uh, you know, it costs money and really that money comes from our time. And the more we buy, potentially the less time that mommy and daddy will have to spend with you. Um, so, and this whole idea actually comes from a book called your money or your life. I don't know if you've ever heard of it or read about it, but it's it's kind of a Bible of the fire movement by a woman named Vicki Robin. And basically she makes the, the, the point that, um, when we buy things, we're not just spending our money. We're, we're trading our future time for whatever that thing is. So if you go out and buy a $5,000 television, you know how many hours is it going to take you to, you know, how much, how many hours of work or is it going to be involved for you to own that TV? And if you just literally had to stop what you were doing and trade your time for that TV, would you buy it? <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, I, we, we've been trying to make that point to our son. Like everything we spend money on is, you know, made up of our time. And it's like, he likes to to be with us and be with his mom and, and do fun things together. And we make the point of like, well, is that thing worth us not being able to go do something else fun that you might want to do. And also like even stuff like him, you know, with young kids are always turning the water on. They like to watch it. And I'm always like turning it off. And I'm like, think about that water. It's not free it, you know, the more we waste water, the more we have to pay. And that means the more time we have to work in order to come up with that money. So like, is it is just having that water come out of the spout and be wasted? Is that worth me having to work, say, another two or three hours and not be able to come to dinner on time? You know, so we've been making that analogy with him. And I think that's really important because, you know, when you translate that to adults is like, when people aren't saving money and they're not being prudent about their finances and they're kind of being loosey goosey about it, you know, they might be fine. um, But what they're ultimately doing is they're tacking on more work, you know, to the end of their life, you know, or to, to, uh, or, or pushing their potential financial freedom date out further. And you're like, when you think about it that way, you're like, wow, if I just spend a few, you know, some time like organizing my finances and being sort of, a little bit more judicious about what I spend money on, I could like get to a financial freedom state five years sooner. Wow. I mean, that's a pretty good trade off. You know, it's like, maybe that's where it's putting a little bit of, of time into it on a weekly basis. So we're making that connection with our, with our son about buying things is the equivalent of you trading your time Uh, and is is it worth it Uh, could you be doing something else that you would enjoy more and then we're slowly getting into honestly doing some investing, like you know thinking about some investing with him and it's really simple it's like he he, he's starting to do some chores and we're you know we're like if you want to be you know be more dedicated about your chores you know we'll Basically, pay you. You know, you can earn some money, and so he has earned some money. You know, making his bed every day and things like that. And then we talk about like, okay, so what do you want to do with this money? Like, you can we can go buy something with it, which might be fun and that might be you know worthwhile thing to do if it's something you really want. Or we could invest it. And I've I've had this conversation with him, and you know he's grasping it a little bit, and I'm not like we're not getting super serious about it, but. Amazingly, and this happened last week. He had about four dollars that he had earned and he he said, I decided what I want to do with it. I want to I want to grow it. I want to grow it into more money. So, you know, like can we can we invest it? So, I, and I swear to God this, you know it really just happened, you know, unexpectedly. So I said, yeah, we can invest it. We put it in an envelope and we marked the envelope with the amount of money. And I told him what we were going to invest it in. And uh, he's been asking about it. He's like, how's our, how's our investment doing? And I was honestly like pretty surprised that I, you know, the, I think kind of having these light conversations about money and like, you know, deciding how important is it thing? Is it to have a thing versus have, you know, freedom and choices and more time with mommy and daddy, I think maybe it's had a little bit of an effect on him where he's like, yeah, you know what, if, if I can, if I can make this money into more money, why not do that instead of going to buy this thing or whatever? It seems like the the correlation is happening, but as they get older, I think that you, you know, you kind of do have to sit down with them and and share information about your family finances and show them, you know, like real practical scenario about what saving does, what you want to trade your time for, and like how to grow your savings and what the goal is, you know, I mean, it's really just doing this education. Now, I've been listening to your show and about your kids. Um, I mean, I've been really impressed and about what you're doing with the businesses for your kids and them needing to kind of come up with a business idea and, and try to create a business that's profitable uh, as kind of part of their schooling i think that's like super critical for all people uh and the the earlier you can instill an entrepreneurial mindset the better and and that really lines up i think with these ideas about saving and planning for your retirement. When you go into a business, you have a business plan, you have a budget, you've thought about long out about how you're going to achieve them. You know, you you hope you're hoping for the best, you're planning for the worst. And all of those, you know, habits, they directly apply to the business of you. Um so I I think like instilling this be entrepreneurial and starting businesses but also think about your life as the business of you and kind of you know eventually it's really all one working together is the best way to prepare kids and and get them educated i mean the truth be told like it it really all is tied together like i i think that i always say you have to be financially prudent business-minded and investing focused um and it's like I was starting businesses. I was buying real estate. I was doing all these things that were sort of quote unquote businesses in and of themselves. But at the end of the day, now that I've kind of am in this sort of semi-retired state and I kind of see the, you know, I'm looking back and kind of realizing what it was all doing for me. All of those things were kind of like subsidiaries of the business of me in a way. Like, it all ultimately added up to us like achieving our broader life goals and you know essentially getting to a time where we could have more flexibility freedom and work less and have less stress and the reason we wanted that just in our case was so that we could spend time with our son without rushing off to this or rushing off to that. Or in my case, you know, it's like you're, you're, the weekend came and I still got my phone in my hand. I'm on the phone, I'm stressed out, I'm thinking about this, but I'm also like sitting there trying to play, you know, with blocks and be like engaged. But it was like nearly impossible for me to do. Like I, I just, I was just really struggling with it. And the the story I tell about it, that is like a true story and really pointy. Like, it was like, when my son was like, you know, one two. He, was, he always spent a lot of time with his mom. I mean, loved his mom. She was great, so that, that makes sense. But, like, she would be like, if I, on the weekend, she'd be like, you know, you should, you should go do this with daddy, you know, <laughs> spend some time with him. And he would always say, he would say, um, I don't want to do with daddy. Daddy's too wacky. And, <laughs> I mean, I was trying not to take offense to this because kids, you know, they say the darndest things. But um, we're always like, what is this wacky thing? You know, wow, wacky. I mean, and we kind of figured, well, it's probably not good, number one. But you know, probably in the end, we kind of decided what what he meant was like I was kind of grumpy, you know, because you know he's we're trying to do things, but I'm like, no, wait, I know. All right, hold on, I got to make this call. I'll, you know, I'll be back in a sec. Blah 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 blah. And then we we made our move, and and six months into the move, just out of nowhere, I mean, I kid you not, he just says, "Daddy's not wacky anymore." And we were just like, whoa, that is the craziest thing. I just can't, I can't believe that just happened because, you know, being able to remove ourselves from the stress and kind of reinvent our life is really making, you know, a big difference with my relationship with my son. So I'm really grateful that I was able to do that and I was only able to do it by by doing some planning, putting some work into this and and realizing that like, this is your life that you're that you're dealing with here like it's not some you know random abstract thing that is meaningless like you will get whether you whether you're there now you will get to a point for whatever reasons and it could be kids it could be health it could be whatever you will want to make changes you will want to have freedom you will want to be able to be in control of your life and if you have not done any planning for that most likely you will be stuck not being able to do nearly anything that you want to do. And at that point it will be, you know, much later and much harder to, to resolve. So that kind of has, you know, driven me to try to impart some of uh, this wisdom onto whoever's interested, you know, and it's funny, like businesses because they are always inclined to run a good business and, you know, they're willing to pay bookkeepers or, you know, uh, business managers or financial advisors, you know, if if there isn't a partner in the organization that does that. So, you know, like a CFO type, that's pretty standard. But what I kind of found is as people have been hiring me, the business has been hiring me. I, I, I learned that the business owners really are not doing any of this, you know? So I started to translate, you know, like, what I'm doing for their business is say, okay, like we got to kind of like start paying some attention to your personal side of this thing, because you're doing this whole business ultimately to have a positive impact on your personal scenario. And it's like, you're making good money, but you're not taking advantage of it and investing it well. And like years are passing and you're just kind of like, you know, not making the most of it because, you don't find it interesting or like you feel like you're too busy i'm like this is a pretty major thing to kind of put off you know and and I, and I started to realize that you know like even the smartest people people that are successful that make good money even they're not doing it you know like even they don't even have never put a budget together and you're like wow it's pretty amazing the amount of uh, you know the amount of people who just you know either don't have time or don't have the inclination and don't get around to it but it's a lot like exercise in that way. You know, we all, we all know we need to do it. But for whatever reason, it's just impossible. And 30 years go by and then you end up like, you know, 100 pounds overweight. And you're like, what happened? And you're like, well, you never exercised and you ate too much. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, and I think this really is like a paradigm shift for a lot of people, especially like, I mean, I definitely, my parents were entrepreneurial in some ways, but I also grew up with my dad, a lot of those years having a traditional job and so I think this can be like a hard mental shift to make but then there's so much freedom like we talked about once you do let's talk a little bit about um, kind of the two things I want to touch on before we wrap up are things like side hustles which can seem daunting for someone who's never really attempted that before it can I think the unknown is always a little scarier than actually um, actually trying that and accomplishing something and then also Mm -hmm. talk a little bit more about the idea of incorporation because we know about this in a business sense, but talk about how that can be helpful on the personal level too.
0: Yes. So it's a good question. So the side hustle thing, it's got multiple benefits. Obviously the primary benefit is you potentially make more money and then you can save more money. Now the, you know, the the obvious downside of it is, is it takes time, but I think everybody should be trying to do, well, I think everyone needs to be business minded, as I said. And and I, I can say in my case, owning a business and having more control over my own income and like the ways I spend that business's money, you know, has been very valuable in, in growing the wealth. But also a huge benefit to business ownership is, is the benefits you get in the tax category. Uh, business owners, basically just have the ability to pay less taxes on a percentage basis than, you know, your average W-2 employee. Why that is, you know... It's hard to say. I always I kind of say, you know, the, the, the world is, you know, at least the country in the world, it's, they're run by people who have a lot of money, have businesses, have lots of real estate, and they make laws. I think ultimately that benefits <laughs> them more than anybody else. And you just need to figure out what they are and, and try to, you know, get as much benefit out of it for yourself. So business owners, uh, essentially, you know, they get to make money, spend money and pay tax on the remainder employees basically, you know, earn money, get taxed, and then they get to spend the remainder. So if you can get yourself into um, a business ownership situation, one, you'll, you know, you'll have more control over your own income. And, and when things, times are good, you can keep, you know, more money for yourself, which is a good thing, but you will get a lot of tax benefit. And it's not just in the terms of like business tax, you know, deductions and so on like business owners have access to your retirement savings vehicles that allow you to put a lot more money away. Um, like if you, if you are an a owner of, um, or, you know, a kind of self-employed individual and you're just like a single owner or owner with a spouse, you can using like a solo 401k, for example, you can put up to $56,000 you and your spouse per year away. Uh, Whereas your average W-2 employee can only put up to $19,000 away, tax-free, that is. And that's just an amazing benefit. If you have the money to put away the fact that you can get that huge of a tax reduction earlier on in your life and have that extra money working for you, I mean, that's just a huge advantage. So I think I look at the side hustle as one, you're going to make some extra money two you 're going you 're going to kind of get your entrepreneurial seed planted and put yourself at least to some degree in the business owner category so if you have a side hustle and you 're making some money but you're, but your business is home based for example, well now all of a sudden you get to have a home office deduction where you don't get to have a home office deduction if you 're just a w two employee even if you work at home a portion of the time, you get to write off some of your cell phone, you get to write off some of your car, like putting yourself in this, you know, uh, self employed, independent contractor status, gives you access to uh, the possibility of saving money on taxes. And you know, we all the biggest bill we all pay every year is our tax bill. So if you're not putting some thought into how to like be most efficient, and you know, not overpay on your tax bill, well, there's probably you're probably potentially overpaying there and uh, you could have saved that money and put it to work uh, for you, like in some sort of, you know, investing capacity. So the side hustle thing is just multifaceted. And I think ultimately, you know, for not every career can you easily transitioning to owning a business or doing consulting. But if you can take what you're doing and turn that into some sort of part-time consulting work, you know, in a, in a quote unquote freelance or independent contract capacity, oftentimes you, your hourly pay for doing your, that kind of work in a consulting capacity is far greater. So I would always look at like, what are you doing? Is there, is there a place for it to be done on the side in a part-time, you know, consulting capacity? If not, you know, maybe you try to turn a hobby or, you know, some, some other, thing that you can do into a side hustle, both to make more money, but then to also essentially become an independent contractor/slash business owner. And then if that's going well and you're making a certain amount of money with it, you do you can achieve additional tax benefits by incorporating your business. And you also achieve liability protection. So you know that that's pretty much what incorporation gets you. It gets you whether it be a like a an inc, you know, or a quote unquote corporation or a LLC limited liability company. It separates your business activities from your personal life. So if you know, in the liability sense, if you got sued, you know, for whatever reason in doing your business and you weren't incorporated, well, if that uh, if the person suing you got a judgment against you and that judgment exceeded whatever insurance you might have. All your personnel assets would be exposed to that lawsuit or that judgment. If you operate your business inside an entity like an LLC or, or a corporation, well, only the assets and you know equity in, inside the LLC would be exposed to the lawsuit. So like your personal home or your cars or your savings account, whatever, would theoretically not be accessible to the lawsuit because the lawsuit is with your entity and not with you personally. So a lot of people will do their will do their side business and they won't incorporate and they just kind of like get paid 1099 to their social security number and you know they are they are open to some liability. Now depending what you do the chances of you getting sued or you know are higher or you know or lower. So you know lawsuits are not a concern in every case but but that is one one reason you incorporate. The next reason you incorporate is you can achieve even better tax treatment by incorporating particularly being an S-corp, mainly because, you know, when you're just getting 1099 pay or even you're just an LLC, like a single member LLC, you pay self-employment tax on all of your income. For whatever reason, again, I I don't know why, but when you're an S-corp, that structure requires you to pay a portion of your pay to yourself in a, in the form of a w2 paycheck but it only has to be a certain portion of your profit and then the remaining profit that you get is not sub- subject to self employment tax why that is i don't know but uh, you know some clients of mine who were not structured right i helped them out and they each saved like $20,000 in taxes uh, in 2019 just by making a simple change like that so and corporation can, you know, again, it can and it help you in saving taxes and then also create liability protection for you. And if you're getting into real estate, you know, real estate is something that is both can be kind of a somewhat passive investment thing, but then can also be, become basically someone's full-time career if if you end up sort of really liking it and growing a big real estate portfolio. And, you know, with real estate, that's actually where you have probably some of the greatest like lawsuit potential because you're, you know, you have people in your pro- you know, in a property you own full time living there. Any, you know, anything could happen, a variety of things could happen and you could get sued. So if you have real estate, you really want to consider having your real estate be in LLCs for sure and having like a good asset protection plan in mind. Yeah. So the deeper you get in the weeds on like, you know, the whole retirement thing is it's a simple plan, but the big, the big component of actually it, it really advancing and you advancing towards this financial dependence is largely dependent on investing your money and getting some good cut, you know, investment, in, investment performance. And uh, mo- for most people in the investing portion of your retirement plan is either going to be you putting your money in the markets, the public markets, or in, personally owned real estate for me and my wife our family, like real estate has been the primary uh, vehicle we've invested our money in. And uh, I think it outperforms the market, you know, by and large, and it it certainly has for us. And and I should say the other thing that I think is really important for people to be doing besides making the plan and thinking about these things and and trying to earn more money to advance your savings and, and, you know, move yourself towards financial independence sooner I think it's incredibly important for people to buy a house there for, it seemed like for a while there with the millennials, there was this debate uh, as to the benefit of home ownership. That to me is like a silly debate. I don't know exactly how that, how that happened, but um, I was just reading some statistics last night that that trend is turning around and millennials are starting to buy more houses. And it turned out maybe the reason people, they weren't, people thought they weren't buying them is because they're just doing things a lot later than other, you know, previous generations have done them. But owning a house is, well, there's a whole variety of benefits to it, but, Primarily what you're doing is, you know, we're most likely, unless you live at home for, you know, a really long period of time or you're in some rent control, which is hard to find, you're most likely going to be paying like market price for rent, you know, for your housing payment, whatever, whatever that is. And when you buy a home, essentially what you do is you convert a payment that you're having, going to have to make anyway into a really good investment. So I just like, you know, I always like to stress this, you know, as part of any plan, like, any anyone who's thinking about saving and trying to like get this you know retirement thing advanced, if you don't own a home, you really should be thinking about trying to own one. And if you're young, you wanna you wanna own one as soon as you can. And I think for most young people, what they should do first is they should buy a multifamily house, uh, like a two to four unit property, live in one property, rent the other units, and have that be their first both investment you know, in real estate, but you know, just investment in general. And eventually that'll become, you know, as they wanna move and hopefully may- maybe move into a, a different house, a bigger house, whatever it is they need, that multifamily property will be you know, the first piece of their real estate portfolio. And the government currently incentivizes us so much to own real estate through tax breaks, And for first time home buyers, you can get into real estate so cheap, you know, for like as low as three and a half percent down. It's like the math of owning versus renting is just it's so far (laughs) into the column of owning like it's, it's not even funny. And I actually, I, I always like to say I'm the kind of person I do the math on pretty much everything. Um, I think you can do the math on just about anything. And I've done the math and uh, it's very compelling for homeownership. And if you do it in, in a multifamily sense, it's like, you know, massively compelling. Sorry, that was a little, that was a little sidebar, but I, I wanted to throw that in there.
1: Yeah, I've done that math too. I absolutely agree. And I know you have a lot of, you've written about this on your website, which we should have mentioned already, but playlouder.com. I'll make sure that's Mm -hmm. linked in the show notes. Um, For all you guys listening, I've been taking notes and those are all at wellnessmama.fm in the show notes, as well as linked to his website, which has so many blog posts and even have courses on all of this to help um, keep it moving forward. I'll make sure people can find you and keep learning. This podcast is sponsored by Olibop. Delicious soda that's actually good for you. Did you know that most Americans consume more than the recommended daily intake of sugar? By a lot. And sweetened drinks like soda are the leading source of extra sugar. Most of us also don't get enough fiber. And I have found a delicious answer to both of these problems. It's called Olipop. And I was so excited to find this truly healthy soda alternative. Olipop uses functional ingredients that combine the benefits of prebiotics, plant fiber, and botanicals to support your microbiome and benefit digestive health, and it tastes just like soda without the junk. Olipop is much, much lower in sugar than conventional sodas. Their vintage cola, for instance, has just 2 grams of sugar compared to a regular cola that has 39. We've worked out an exclusive deal just for Wellness Mama podcast listeners. You can receive 20% off plus free shipping on their best-selling variety pack. This is a great way to try all of their flavors and find your favorite. Go to drinkolipop.com forward slash wellnessmama and use the code wellnessmama, all caps, at checkout to claim the deal. That's drinkolipop, D-R-I-N-K-O-L-I-P-O-P.com slash wellnessmama the discount is only valid on their variety pack and you can find olipop in over 3,000 stores nationwide including whole foods sprouts kroger and air one this podcast is sponsored by wellness that's wellness with an e on the end it's the personal care company that i founded to take on some of the worst offenders in the personal care world did you know for instance that many hair care products contain harsh detergents but your hair isn't dirty laundry and it doesn't need to be treated like it is Instead, we created a nourishing and natural hair food product that supports hair's natural balance and strength over time to leave it stronger and healthier and still just as shiny and clean as any other shampoo. To help you see and feel the difference, we're hosting a hair detox challenge. Try it for 30 days and show us the difference in your hair. Just snap a before and after picture and tag us on any social media. And to make it easier for you to jump in, you can save 15% on all of our hair care products this month with the code HAIRDETOX15 at wellness.com. Again, that's wellness, dot E.com. And save 15% on all hair care products right now with the code HAIRDETOX15. As we get now to the end of our time, another question I'd love to ask purely selfishly because i'm an avid reader is um are there any books a book or a number of books that have had a dramatic impact on your life and if so what are they in life yes uh
0: there's there's been a, a bunch uh, um i would i would say though i'll give you a few um one they're not all money related too by the way one that i read like right out of college was this book called what do i say next <laughs> and um it's basically about the art of conversation and i was getting you know I was getting into my career and I was thinking, you know, like everybody, I mean, I have anxieties to this, that, and the other, you know, it's, it's not easy to go out and make things happen. So I read this book to uh, just try to work on my small talk. And it honestly had a really big impact in my life because it just, it allowed small talk to be easy. And like, it it just like kind of opened, gave me a bunch of tools to like talk with people easily. And that is the way you get so many things done and make things happen in your life is by having good conversations with people, developing relationships, and then building partnerships with different people that you, you know, continue on with over time. So that was a really big book. And it's funny today, like with social media and stuff and the fact that I've hired a lot of young people like post social media era, the art of conversation is definitely, you know, starting to decline a little bit. Hopefully we turn that around. (laughs) But uh, another one, it's a really basic book, very common, but Rich Dad Poor Dad is a pretty good book about getting your head into the entrepreneurship and being business minded um, folks, you know, thinking, not, not thinking, quote, unquote, like a worker, thinking like a, a business owner. I think that applies, you know, in so many aspects of life, though, I will say, I think Rich Dad, Poor Dad could be responsible for pe- people thinking that owning a home is not a good idea, because he made this famous statement in there about your home is your busy- biggest expense, not your biggest asset. I don't think that is accurate at all. So don't pay attention to that part. Uh, and then Your Money or Your Life by Vicki Robin is a really good one to think about how, you know, when you're buying stuff you don't need, you're really just trading your future time. And then lastly, a recent book uh, called The New Earth by Eckhart Tolle. Uh, It's all, it's more of a spiritual book and basically about understanding like, you know, our, our egos, number one, and also like trying to understand how to like be more present and all that in life. It's a really, really fascinating book that blew my mind. So I would recommend that greatly.
1: I love it that that one by Eckhart Tolle has come up several times recently on this podcast. So that's going to move to the top of my list. Enough people yeah. I, I trust have recommended it.
0: That, and I one, think, that one in the power now, they're sort of like almost work together, but yeah, I like it.
1: Awesome. Well, I'll make sure those are linked in the show notes and I'm getting them on my Kindle right now. And I think the perfect, perfect place to wrap up is what you just mentioned again, and also that you mentioned earlier in the episode of considering things as far as their value in time, not their value in money. And if we think of time as our most valuable asset, which it is, we can't replace it. We can't buy more. That really reframes it. And am I willing to trade uh, this amount of time of my life for this possession, which is also going to take up time to maintain. Um, Particularly that really when helps. you have
0: kids and you're like, do I want to buy this and have less time with my kid right now? for this object? you know, Oftentimes the answer is no.
1: Exactly. And I know for all the women listening, there there have been studies that our stress levels are directly related to the amount of stuff we have in our house. And conversely, the less stuff, the less stress. So I think when you combine that, the idea of time and the idea of stress, it makes a strong case for minimizing those things and really just focusing on the, the core things, which leads to us being happier, but also to getting to these goals faster and like I said at the beginning, I think this is an important aspect of health as well, financial health and and then the mental health attached to that. And it's one I haven't talked about that much on this podcast. And so I'm very grateful to you today for coming and sharing your practical systems. I will link to some of my favorite blog posts you have in the show notes. You guys can keep learning there and, um, you know, keep learning from Joe, reach out on his site and and keep learning. But Joe, thank you so much for your time today. This was so great.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I know, I know the, the, the business side of things is not always covered. So I really appreciate you giving me an opportunity to come and talk about it.
1: Thank you for being here. And thanks as always, of course, to those of you listening for sharing, as we talked about your most valuable asset, your time with both of us today. We're so grateful for you. We're so grateful that you did. And I hope that you will join me again on the next episode of the Wellness Mama podcast.